The old pilots playing tales. The Busby Babes. Any fatal air disaster is a tragedy for the families and friends of those involved. But when the victims are famous and have many fans who love them, the sadness and feelings of loss radiate out to the public at large. As I write this piece on the 6th of February, it is the anniversary of the Munich air disaster, a crash that tore the heart from the Manchester United football team but researching this phenomena, I keep coming across more and more similar tragic events. I was going to include such losses to the world as famous musicians who have died in crashes, such as Otis Redding, Ricky Nelson, John Denver, Patsy Cline, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, just to name a few, but the number is overwhelming and beyond this short segment. Even just mentioning sports teams is difficult to cover them all. So if a flying tragedy has affected you, and I don't mention it specifically, please don't think that it isn't important. I know it will be to you. The 6th of February 1958 saw one of the world's best known and loved football teams, soccer to our cousins across the Atlantic, returning from a successful European Cup match in Belgrade. The team were trying to become only the third club to win three successive English league titles and had not been beaten in 11 matches. They were nicknamed the Busby Babes after their enormously successful manager, Sir Matt Busby. The flight had stopped in Munich on the way back to Manchester, because the distance was just beyond the range of the airspeed ambassador that they were in. The weather there was poor, cold and snowy, but nobody wanted to stay the night. After refuelling, Captain Raymond, who was acting as co-pilot that day, started his take-off run, but he abandoned the attempt when the captain noticed that the port boost pressure gauge for the supercharger was fluctuating and the engine didn't sound steady. The second attempt was also aborted and they taxied back to the terminal and disembarked everyone whilst they worked the problem. The snag was discussed between the crew and the station engineer who suggested that the engine was running over-rich, causing it to over-accelerate, a known fault with the Elizabethan class of ambassador. It was recommended that the crew open the throttles very slowly, which would probably overcome the hassle. Also whilst this was being discussed, the snow was falling more heavily and a layer of slush was building up on the runway. With their passengers back on board, Raymond taxied out to the runway. He believed that with 6,300 feet, he would have enough length to cope with the slow engine acceleration he would need. As they started their takeoff roll, the aircraft began splashing through the slush. Captain Thane, the commander, was calling the speeds, and at 85 knots, the port engine again began to surge. Raymond reduced power on that side and then advanced the throttle again. At 117 knots, they had reached V1, their last chance to stop safely before the end of the runway. 
A few more knots and they would be happily in the air, but unexpectedly the speed fell back to 112 knots, then 105. Raymond shouted, Christ, we won't make it, and they skidded off the end of the runway. The aircraft careered through the airport fence and across a road before the port wing hit a house and was ripped from the fuselage. Part of the tail was torn away and the cockpit hit a tree and the right side of the fuselage struck a wooden hut containing a truck filled with tyres and fuel which exploded into flame. With flames licking around the cockpit and trapped by crushed metal, Captain Raymond shouted for the crew to escape. They clambered out of a broken galley window, but Captain Thane returned to the aircraft to grab two fire extinguishers and shout to Raymond that he would return once the fire had retreated. Captain Raymond was rescued, but died later in hospital of his wounds. The impact of the crash and subsequent fire took its toll amongst the crew and passengers. Eight players and three staff, including the chief coach and trainer, were killed. In addition, eight journalists from all the major UK papers died. Twenty-one survived, including Bobby Charlton, who would continue a wonderfully successful career and, with his brother Jack, would be part of the England World Cup team, winning in 1966. He would be knighted in 1994. Sir Bobby's survival was mainly due to the heroic actions of the team goalkeeper Harry Gregg, who, despite a severe head wound, returned again and again to the wreckage to drag out survivors. The German authorities put the blame on the accident squarely on the actions of Captain Thane, accusing him, despite evidence to the contrary, of taking off with ice on his wings. He was dismissed by his company, British European Airways, and never re-engaged, despite being exonerated a few years later. The cause was eventually identified as the effect of slush on an aircraft with tricycle undercarriage, which was at the time unknown. Unlike the more common tail-wheeled aircraft of the period, an aircraft with a nose wheel has its main wheels behind the centre of gravity, which makes them more vulnerable to the drag that slush creates. Flying tragedies seem to affect football teams more than any others. The Superga air disaster of 1949 killed the entire Grande Torino team, almost all of the Italian national team. The three-engined Fiat G212 slammed into the side of the Basilica Superga whilst on a bad-weather approach to Turin Airport. All 31 on board died. 1960 saw a Dragon Rapide crash 50 metres from the shore after taking off from Copenhagen Airport in severe weather. Eight association players who were flying to a selection match for the Danish squad were killed. The Colourful Eleven were a Surinamese exhibition football team on a DC-8 out of Schiphol bound for Johan Adolf Pengel International Airport in Suriname. In the aircraft, operated by the national carrier, were a total of 178 passengers. 
The captain, knowing that the ILS was not available for operational use, insisted on using it despite being cleared for a VORDME approach. His first officer commented that he didn't trust the ILS readings, but despite receiving several oral and visual warnings, the captain descended below his minima without visual contact and crashed into a tree. The investigation also revealed that the captain was over the maximum permitted age and wasn't even checked out or approved to fly the DC-8. The 1987 Alianza Lima football team air disaster led to the death of 43 players, staff, cheerleaders and crew whilst attempting to land at Caleo in Peru. The Fokker F-27 Friendship was chartered from the Peruvian Navy since the civil airlines were considered too risky to use. As the aircraft approached the runway, an undercarriage fault required Lieutenant Villa and First Lieutenant Cesar Morales to circle the field. After a flyplast, which confirmed that his gear was down, in failing light, the pilots lost control and struck the ocean whilst positioning for a landing. Morales was the only survivor. The aftermath of the crash was a tragedy on its own. Masses flocked to the beaches to mourn as corpses were recovered. There were many memorials and public mournings. The Peruvian Navy conducted the inquiry and refused to release any statements regarding its findings. However, a copy of the file was illegally secreted away in the U.S. by the president of the inquiry. It remained locked in a Florida bank vault for 19 years, but when made public, revealed that the pilot, Lieutenant Villa, had only 3.3 hours of night flying in the previous 60 days, and his co-pilot, First Lieutenant Morales, only 30 minutes. The aircraft was in very poor mechanical condition and Villa had initially refused to fly it. During their handling of the undercarriage fault, the co-pilot's poor English caused him to misread the emergency checklist and what was more, he had never received flight training from Fokker. Finally, Villa had recently failed a training course which could have prevented disorientation whilst operating under pressure. There was also the possibility that the aircraft just ran out of fuel due to the delay in making its final approach. 1993 saw the tragic demise of almost the entire Zambian national football team when the de Havilland Canada Buffalo they were flying in crashed into the Atlantic shortly after taking off from Libreville in Gabon. The aircraft already had a history of engine faults, but when the left engine caught fire and failed, the pilot shut down the right engine in error, killing all on board. Of course, more recently, La Mia Flight 2933, a chartered Avro RJ-85, crashed in Colombia in November last year, killing 71 of the 77 people on board. 19 of whom were players in the Chapaconese football squad. Other sports have suffered. In 1961, the entire United States figure skating team, on its way to the World Championships in Prague, were killed when their Sabina Boeing 707 crashed on approach to Brussels Airport. 
Going around from their first approach because of a blocked runway, the pilots climbed and circled towards another runway. As it turned, it overbanked and spiralled into the ground. The cause was never completely established, but thought to be due to a failure of the stabiliser trim mechanism. This was the first ever fatal accident involving a 707 in regular passenger service. The Marshall University American football team, the Thundering Herd, lost 38 of their members when their DC-9 hit pine trees and crashed into a mountainside. Specially chartered for the game, the team were on their way home to the Huntington Tri-State Airport in North Carolina. The Southern Airways aircraft was on its approach in poor weather, given as rain, fog, smoke and a ragged ceiling. The crew descended to their minima at the outer marker, but then, for reasons unknown, continued to descend for another 300 feet into the treetops on a hillside a mile short of the runway. All 75 on board perished. Finally, I should mention the old Christians Rugby Club, whose Uruguayan Air Force chartered Fairchild FH-227 crashed into a remote area of the Andes mountain range. That remarkable story of survival will have a plain tale all of its own.